0: in a world searching for answers, God's truth is vital. The Devoted Podcast seeks to answer these questions from God's Word, as they share the Gospel one listener at a time. Thank you for joining us today. Here are your hosts, Caleb Shaner and Pastor Ben Heffernan.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Devoted Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Shainer, and we have a special guest in the studio with us today, um, Mr. Josh Geyer, and he is one of the men in the church here who, uh, you know, the Lord has led him to come on and uh, share a devotion uh, with us on preparing your heart to seek the Lord. And so I'm excited to see what the Lord's given him, and, uh, you know, I I believe he is excited as well to be in the studio with us. Um, So, you know, we're... We're going to dive right in. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you're going to be talking about.
0: Well, I've been studying a lot on seeking God and seeking His face and being, um, getting to know Him. And through that, this phrase kept coming up, preparing your heart to seek the Lord. And it's an interesting Hmm. thought. Uh, You know, everybody, we have a desire to seek God. We want to know Him. We want to get to where we understand more about who He is and what He desires from us. But there's a step that really comes before that, and it's being prepared for that. Hmm. And so it shows up several times in Scripture, first place, being in 1 Samuel 7. And if you're familiar with the history, in the previous chapter, the, well, the previous book even, the book of Judges, the children of Israel, of course, came out of the Exodus. They come into the land under Joshua. They do some conquering. They stop a little too quick. But they end up on this roller coaster ride through the book of Judges. And so they're there and they are serving God for a while, things are good, and they start going off into idolatry and getting away from the worship that God had demanded of them. And next thing you know, God allows them to then go into uh, bondage to somebody and he raises up, they then cry out to him and he raises up a deliverer for him. And there's this cycle over and over through the book of Judges. And then that immediately comes into First Samuel, Samuel being the last judge. Um, and he's here, Um, and they've, again, gone into the same cycle. They've started worshiping false gods again, and God allowed the Philistines to come in and conquer and even take the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh, where it had been for some time. And so this was devastating to the children of Israel because the Ark of the Covenant is right there, that place where God made his presence especially known to them, uh, great symbolism of Christ in the New Testament. But the Philistines took the Ark back, and they had it for several months. And of course, God had brought judgment on them for taking it. And if, and if you don't believe well, God has a sense of humor, uh, <laughs> smote them with emeralds, right? Hemorrhoids as we would call them today, uh, terrible plague. And they had enough of that and said, we're gonna send that back. And so it came back, they sent on the cart with some gifts and they've just received the Ark of the Covenant back here in First Samuel 7. And so, in first, it came back um, to uh, a little town there called Beth Shemesh, and they brought it a little bit farther into Israel's territory to uh, Um And so, in first one it says this: and the men of Kirijat-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in jerim that the time was long for it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. All right, so they have a problem here. The children of Israel's relationship with God wasn't what it needed to be. And they're sorrowing for this. They know God has lifted his hand of blessing off of them. And it's, it comes back to, again, their idolatry. So Samuel deals with it. Verse three, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites' basic fundamental failing here was they forgot the first two commandments. Right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. They done both. They brought in false worship. And as God had promised uh, back in Deuteronomy with the servants under Moses, uh, people started conquering them when they drift away from God. And so Samuel here says the answer is very simple. It's like if you're going to serve, return unto the Lord with all your hearts, you really want his blessings on you, you have to give him your all. Okay? Um, and so they had to remove the false gods. Okay? Uh, and often in our life, you know, if we're struggling with our relationship with God, it's like, what does he want from me? Like, how can I have a better relationship with God? Well, first you have to get the things out of the way that are hindering your walk with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Too often, our lives are so full, we don't leave any room for God. We claim we don't have time for devotions or we don't have time to spend in God's word or in prayer and study. But the reality is we just have other priorities and God doesn't have that right place of priority in our lives. And so he tells them to first put away the strange gods and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. This comes down to basically being a decision of... The heart is like, Am I going to serve God fully or not? That's where the preparation of the heart comes down to. And so, but they neglected that first commandment. And he tells them if they want to get right with God, they want to see God's blessings return to their life. They need to prepare their hearts unto the Lord. Uh, the phrase again appears a few books later in First Chronicles 29. Of course, remember after shortly after that first passage in First Samuel, the people children of Israel ask. Um, same for a king. And he warns them what will happen if they get one. And they say, we want a king anyway. And Saul becomes the first king. And then, you know, all the, <laughs> this, we don't have time to go through that entire story <laughs> between him and David. That's multiple servants in and of itself. But uh, so, but then David becomes king and then his son Solomon after him. But David at the end of his life had a desire. He had brought the um, ark of the covenant back to well to jerusalem and established it there and he thought god should have a proper temple not just the the tabernacle which is ultimately a tent and so it was his desire to build the temple and but god had other plans because david had been a man of war he'd been conquering the nation of israel was at its largest point under his reign uh because he had taken care of all the enemies around them Um, And God allowed him to do that, but he wanted the temple to be built under a king who was known for peace. And so he told David that uh, Solomon, his son, would be able to build the temple. Um, So David does what he can and he starts bringing the preparation and calls on the people to give toward this work. And so they've taken up the collection in 1 Chronicles 29. And David's praying for the people. It says this in verse 18. Well, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imaginations of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. And there's a key there in that word unto. Okay, we can pray our heart for a lot of things, but it needs to be unto God. Because um, too many people set their hearts on other things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so his prayer for the children of Israel at that time was that they would prepare their heart unto the Lord, that he wanted them to seek him. And even for son, Solomon, the next verse, and given to Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies and thy statutes, and to do all these things and to build the palace for which I've made provision. And so David, the man after God's own heart, the sweet Psalmist, Psalmist of Israel, the man who was a picture of Jesus Christ and his kingship, um, his greatest desire for his nation was that they would seek God, that they would prepare their hearts to that end. And so he understood it. Um, Now, after David came Solomon and Solomon had a son whose name was Rehoboam. And we know him uh, for being a little bit of a fool, simply because um, when he took the, you know, under Solomon, they had all the building projects. They had the temple and then Solomon's own palace and many other works that he was doing. And it ended up being a huge burden on the people in form of taxes. And so like everybody today, um, the people had had enough of Thai taxes and they wanted the king to lower them. And so they come to him and say, you know, we'll serve you, Reboam, if you will just move this burden from us. And, he listened to some older wise counsel and they say, "No, tell the people that you will do it and they'll serve you forever. Which, you know, really good idea if you're getting counsel to get it from older, wiser people always mm-hmm. and more godly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he went to people his age and they were just as foolish as he was. And he came back and said, uh, you know, my boy, my little finger will be as thick as my father's loins whole idea of. I'm going to increase the burden. I'm going to have greater and better and more. Um, and so the people rejected him um, and brought in Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, as the leader of the northern ten tribes. And for David's sake, Reboam got to keep uh, the tribe of Judah. But it's interesting, in 2 Chronicles 12 and verse 14, uh, the, the placement of this verse is really interesting, too. We'll get that in a minute. But in verse fourteen, it says this: "And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord." Uh, why did Rehoboam mess up so bad? Why did he? Why is he known as an evil king of Judah? Well, because he did not prepare his heart to seek God. He never made it a priority in his life to say that God is going to be the priority. And like I said, the timing of this one's really interesting because in the previous verses. In verse one, it says this, And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Once he was in place and had the authority and had the power, he said, enough of God, this is going to be about me. Um, and so immediately, <laughs> verse two, And it came to pass in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. The immediate judgment from God again to push them back to him. And so he came with huge force. It's listed there in the next few verses. We can go down then to verse number five. Then came Shemaiah the prophet to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. So it's as straightforward as can be there. You guys forsook me. Here's the person I'm bringing to bring judgment on you because you have departed from what I have told you to do. But there's an interesting passage here. Verse six, whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and they said, the Lord is righteous. They came to the right conclusion about that. God's righteous. What he's done had been right. What's absent here, though, is any personal repentance on their part. Um, So if we go to verse seven and when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying they have humbled themselves. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, not a full deliverance because it wasn't a full repentance, but some deliverance. And so uh, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. Uh, interesting things this came about so they could learn how to serve God they had to be put under tribute to this king of Egypt because they had departed from God's ways God say I'm you humble a little bit I'm going to take it farther and teach you to serve me and of course many treasures are taken out and there's a great deal of cost to this it is interesting to me in verse 10 instead after the shields of gold that had been put in the temple by Solomon were there, uh, they were carried away. And so in verse 10, instead of which King Reboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard. And so what had been a display of the grandeur of God and his blessings for his people and the golden shields, well, now you have something that looks like it. I mean, you polish brass, it looks a lot like gold, but it's just not the same thing. It doesn't have the same value. And that kind of sums up a lot of, Rehoboam more about appearances could have turned back to God and seen that blessing but he was content with where he was because as we read he had, he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord and so there's that whole piece where he had an emotional response he said Lord is righteous when he's confronted with these troubles He came to a right conclusion there, and yet there was no real lasting change in Reboam's life that we can see. (sighs) Now, there was, and there are, there's another place, another king um, in 2 Chronicles 19 that talks about him preparing his heart. So, if we go to 2 Chronicles 19, verse 3. It says, nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. Okay, which king are we talking about? Well, this is Jehoshaphat. Okay, uh, God calls him a good king. He wasn't a perfect king. He, on a couple occasions, gets together with the with the uh, king of the northern tribes, the king of Israel, and goes to battle with them. In fact, he's there in the battle when Ahab's killed just prior to this passage. He's actually being rebuked for taking part in that here. And so remember the story? He came and he goes to Ahab comes and asks him and says, oh, yeah, I'm. And Jeroboam just basically turns over the armies of Judah to Ahab and says, yeah, my men are like your men. Let's go and say, go to war um and ahab has Jehoshaphat's like you know i'm going to dress up like a normal soldier but josh you go and you dress like a king and put a big target on his back josh says eh, okay and does it um not the <laughs> most intelligent decision he probably yeah. could have made under that circumstance um but before he went you know they come and josh does want to hear from the prophets so he brings in all the prophets and you have zedekiah and these other men who come and tell him that they're going to conquer. And Zechariah makes these horns and says, yes, you're going to conquer with these. And Jeroboam kind of gets the sense that these are just a bunch of yes men for King Ahab. And he was right. He says, isn't is not here a prophet of the Lord besides?" And so that's when he brings in Micaiah, one of my favorite people in the scripture. And he comes in. You can tell by the way he said it that um, he was being a little bit sarcastic, I would say. But... They called Micaiah and then <laughs> they asked the question, though, no, shall I go up? In verse 15, uh, he says, Go ye up and prosper, for they shall be delivered into your hands. And apparently his delivery was clearly in a sarcastic tone because, verse 15, and the king said to him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou sh- say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? So verse 16, now says says the truth. It says, then he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains, as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. And so we have the true prophet there who tells him, this isn't going to end well for you. You're going to be conquered. And Jehoshaphat should have just stepped away. He never should have allied himself with somebody as evil as Ahab, who brought in Baal worship. And we know all the... Struggles that Elijah had under him, Um, but he had. And certainly after Micaiah said they're going to lose, he should have stepped back and taken his armies with him, but he didn't. He goes to battle, and the battle goes poorly. And so he's being rebuked here in this passage. Uh, So in verse 1, Joshua, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. God spared him, even though Ahab had died. Um, And so Jehu, this prophet, comes. And rebukes him and says, Should thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee. So what was Jehoshaphat's redeeming quality? I mean he messed up constantly. He just had gone against what the prophet had told him. He joined affinity with Ahab. He had done this before. And yet God says there's something good here. Jehoshaphat, here's your one thing that'll be, that's a redeeming quality in your life. You've prepared your heart to seek God. Okay. What does that mean? It means he had decided to do what was right. And in fact, you know, here it says he'd taken away the groves out of the land. Uh, he had taken some steps toward making sure the worship of God was right in his own country. Uh, it wasn't complete. Okay. If we go over to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 33, he's rebuked for not removing those groves from the land. But he did some work. He just didn't complete it. And he's a lot like too many of us. We <laughs> want to serve God. We want to do right. And we mess up constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit of encouragement for us in his life there. But if we go over to 2 Chronicles 30, we have another king who similarly is called the good king of Israel. Um, so in 2 Chronicles 30, let's look at, Verse 17, this is an interesting one because here Hezekiah is the king. He's praying for some people that have come. Um, We'll read the verse and we'll talk about what's going on here. There were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Therefore, the Levites had the charge of the killing of the Passovers for everyone that was not clean to sanctify them unto the Lord. For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves Yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written? But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, "The good Lord pardon every one that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary." Okay, so what's going on here? Um, Hezekiah has declared that there's going to be a Passover, like hasn't happened for some time. Okay, um, things had not been great before Hezekiah's reign. Um, but here he's declared that they're going to keep the Passover in Judah. And more than that, he sent messengers up to the northern ten tribes. And so if we go back to verse 10, uh, so the post passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, even unto Zebulun, but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. Okay, so this time, it's been quite a period of time since the kingdom split under Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And if you remember Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he set up the golden calf in Dan and Bethel, and they were to worship in those places and not go to Jerusalem, which is completely contrary to what God said. That's why he is Jeroboam, the son of Nebat is referred to as the one who made Israel to sin, because he rejected what God said about worshiping God and wanted to worship him his way. And every king of Israel continued that trend up until they went into captivity. Ahab and his father Amri added to that by adding Baal worship and the other worship of false gods. With that, but they rejected the right worship of God, and so he sends these posts up to these northern ten tribes who know that should know the truth, and they're mocked. Which you know we should never be surprised when we're doing wrong. When people start mocking, sorry, when we're doing right, that evil will start mocking. Right. Mm-hmm. These people should know them better. Okay, these were children of Israel, uh, but they laughed them to scorn and the mocked them because they'd been worshiping there for however many years it had been at this point, and they didn't want to go. But verse eleven, nevertheless, divers of Asher and Manasseh and of Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. So there were a few. You know, a lot of them mocked, a lot of them heard it, but there were a few who said, okay, God wants us to worship here in Jerusalem. He wants us to keep this Passover, which we haven't kept since the kingdom split. I'm going to go. And so they went. And so they had this whole thing. The Passover was being kept a month late here because the priests weren't prepared. They weren't sanctified. They had to go through the process of cleansing themselves before they could begin acting on behalf of the people here through the Passover. And so they're holding the Passover a month late already. And these people are coming down from the north and they've sanctified some of the Levites to help in offering these things. But they came, they prepared their heart to seek the Lord because they knew they wanted to go and do what God wanted them to do. They'd made that decision. that That's what was important. Um, but, you know, because of things going on, some of them weren't sanctified. They weren't ceremonially clean under Jewish law. And so Hezekiah prays on their behalf that God would forgive them. And it's interesting there in verse uh, 19, well, eight, last part of 18 and beginning of 19, the good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God. Okay? He's saying, Lord forgive the ones that have come to seek you. They've offered the Passover. Because they want to seek you, they haven't been ceremonially cleansed first. Lord, forgive this transgression. And so, the answer from God in verse 20 and the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. God responded to that prayer. The basis of Hezekiah's praying for them was because they had prepared their heart to seek God. And God forgave the oversight of the letter of the law because their heart was right in wanting to seek Him. And so, you he know, rebuked them in many places in the Old Testament uh, for coming and offering sacrifices when their heart wasn't right and doing going through the motions of the, of the carrying out of the letter of the law without having the right heart with him. But here we see the opposite. We have people who weren't keeping that letter perfectly, but they came and they wanted to worship God in the Passover, remembering what he'd done for them. And God honored that.
1: Yes, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot, and that's. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I mean, this is a lot to of, of back and forth. Yeah, I know. You know, you've got a whole cycle, and Israel is known for that cycle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, they were going to captivity, and then they'd get out of it because they repented, and they'd do fine, and then they'd go back into um, captivity because they disobeyed, and just over and over and over. Uh, you know, in order to prepare the heart, we need uh, we need a surrendered heart. Absolutely. If you're not surrendered, then it's it's you're just fighting against yourself and mm-hmm. what the Lord wants. Um, you, you can't have a heart that is satisfied in the things of the Lord, and desire mm-hmm. the things of this world. Right. And you can see that with the kings. In this path, you know, over that you've talked about, is you got some kings that desired and satisfied, you know, were satisfied with the things of the Lord, and then you have those that were, they're you know, like, yeah, uh, I'm sad. I want more, and I mm-hmm. want more, and they wanted more for themselves and less for the heart of God. Sure. So.
0: And that's, and we see this principle in the New Testament, and that's so. The question for us becomes: So, how do we prepare our heart to seek the Lord? Mm-hmm. How do we do that and so second Peter um, chapter one um, in verse one you know we have the typical introduction Simon Peter servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith through us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ and he goes on and talks about some of the benefits and blessings of knowing God through salvation
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then verse 5, Segues. It says, beside this, you know, having this saving faith in Christ and putting our faith and trust in him alone for salvation and all the benefits that that rewards us with. Beside this, giving all diligence, diligence, add to your faith, virtue and a virtue knowledge. And he goes through his list of what we're to add to these things. It's this kind of sequential thing. And so what's the first thing he says, you know, after you have this saving faith, what does God want you to add to that? And it's virtue. Um which is an interesting word. In the Greek, you have the word manu- manliness there. Um, hmm. It's the idea of fortitude, courage, excellence, moral excellence, being clean and pure. And what it comes down to is this. You have to decide to do what's right. And the next one, you know, add your, into virtue, knowledge. Okay, so there's no point in learning more about God until you first have decided you're going to act on what you know. We can sit in church all day long and learn about God and about what he wants and about what we should be doing. But if we aren't dedicated in heart to do what honors God with that, what would be the point? And so the first thing to add that to the saving faith is just this desire to do what's right, to stand on what's right according to God's word, first and foremost. Um, It's the same word um, that we see over in that's in first corinthians 16 13 where it says watch ye stand fast in the faith quit you like men be strong um that idea of you know man up and do what's right hmm. and this is what is really lacking a lot in a lot of in a lot of churches um this is what's lacking in a lot of christians lives uh, we can quote a lot of Bible, we can do a lot of things, but our life doesn't live up to scripture because we haven't decided to apply it in a meaningful way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the self-deception that James talks about in James 1:22, where it says, and be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So you can hear the word of God, you can know it, but if you're not doing it, you're self-deceived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it comes down to heart decision of, am I going to do what God wants me to or not? Uh, Does he have the priority in your life? Does he have me? Hmm. And that's what it boils down to. Uh, We talk a lot about having Jesus Christ your Savior, and that's the most important thing you can have in your life, is to know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that you have eternal life because of what Christ has done on the cross for you in dying for your sins and buried and rising again in victory. That saving faith is the first and foremost thing you need in your life. But the second thing, it's a prayer heart to seek the Lord in this way in deciding I'm going to do what's right, even if it's hard. Okay. That's why it's the word manliness. You got to man up and be strong in the face of adversity because adversity is going to come. Uh, I mean, those people who came down from the Northern tribes, You know, most of the people around there were mocking when the messengers came, but a few, in spite of the mockery, in spite of what other people were no doubt were saying when they left, even though they were going against the decrees of their king to come down to Jerusalem to worship, they did what was right. And so they prepared their heart to seek the Lord. And so that's what we really need. And, you know, our Christ should really be with the psalmist in Psalm 57. Uh, We're going to look at the last few verses of that psalm. Verse seven says, "My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed." That word "fixed" is the same word of um, of preparing your heart to seek Him. Um, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Okay, so I, my heart's established. It is decided what I'm going to do, and so. I will sing, give praise, Awake, up my glory, awake, sultry and heart, by myself will awake early. I will praise Thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great into the heavens and thy truth into the clouds. Be thou exalted. And so the psalmist here is just crying out, no, my heart is that it is settled in my heart. It is established that I want God to have first priority. And what he calls out for then is the praise of God. He's declaring to everybody what God's done for him. He is declaring God's truth to those around him. And that's really what marks a life of somebody whose heart's prepared to seek God. Because, yes, they're seeking God. They've decided they're going to apply what he reveals to them. But then Christ is exalted. Christ is magnified. That's what Paul had when he was writing from prison in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, you know, we're familiar with the verse twenty-one, but in verse twenty it says this according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't think anybody could argue that the Apostle Paul did not prepare his heart to see God. And here's the fruit of that a heart truly dedicated to making much of Jesus Christ and making much of his
1: God. It's very important to know that whenever we prepare our hearts, it's not just us saying, you know, like you mentioned, it's not just us saying that I, I go to church, I, I, I read the scripture, I, but whenever God finally says, okay, now I want your heart, if you're not prepared to give it to him, you're like, okay, I'll give you a little piece, the part that I kind of cleaned up for you to have, but the rest of it is mine. And that's mm-hmm. not fully surrendering. That's not no. giving it back to the Lord what he gave you. He gave you that heart that beats in your chest. He gave you the gifts that um, you know, that we all have. And you know, whenever you prepare your heart, it needs to be through prayer, but not mm-hmm. only through prayer, but also through indulging. In God's word.
0: Right. And it's just coming to God and saying, Lord, whatever you reveal to me, I'm going to do. You're in charge. You're the one that's sovereign over all things. You are God. I'm not. Let me get out of the way and do what you want me to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's so true for uh, maybe you're listening and, you know, maybe you're, you know, struggling going back and forth saying, well, Jesus is, yeah, that's, a, that's a crutch. That's a, that's, I'm not religious. I'm not. I don't really believe in Jesus. Well, it's, you know, I mean, let me just put it this way that, you know, all have sinned and fall come short of the glory of God. Now, I've sinned. Um, brother Joshua, we've just listened to, you know, he's, he's a sinner. Um, mm-hmm. but one thing that we have done is that we have given our life to the Lord. We have accepted him as our Lord and savior into our hearts and we are living, um, by faith, every day, to the best of our abilities, serving the Lord. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, our aim here for the podcast is to prepare hearts to seek the Lord. But not only that, but also to prepare your heart. And our prayer is that you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And like you would, uh, you know, heard in our last episode about, um, you know, giving your life to the Lord and, and asking him into your heart and um, it's very very important because the lord is will will return someday and if you're not ready and you're not prepared you'll be left behind and at that point it's it's going to be rough and so you know again give your life to the lord and if you're listening and you're struggling maybe asking the questions that we've all asked before of, what's god's plan for my life i don't know that's where the prep the the preparing comes into play absolutely god can't use you if you're not already you know if you're not already preparing you know it's already it's time prepare and and start asking the lord what do you want me to do and be willing to go when god says go and do what god says to do so i thank you for listening to the devoted podcast uh we are excited to uh, to bring God's word to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing and hearing from y'all. Um, if you've got any comments, please, you can leave it in the comment section, or you can email us at devoted.podcast.listener at gmail.com. And, uh, again, we are all here willing and, and wanting to pray for you. If you've got any prayer requests or any questions, um, about future, uh, podcasts. And thank you so much.